welcome to Seize the Day, a podcast from the Duke Marine Lab. I'm Matthew Godfrey, adjunct faculty member at the Marine Lab, and this episode is part of the Sea Turtle series. It was made by students participating in the Sea Turtle Biology and Conservation Travel Course. These students include Jessica Ozog, Erica Krabbel, Chloe Jordan, Joshua Meza Fidalgo, Michael Verbanek, Brittany Pepper, Rachel Hilt, India Mackinson, Julia Plazinski, and Kaylee McKinsey. I turn to them now as they share their experiences of traveling to the Caribbean to work with existing sea turtle conservation and research projects. Hi everyone, my name is Julia Plazinski. And my name is Brittany Pepper, and we're master's students in the biology and conservation of sea turtles class at the Duke University Marine Lab. The first part of our class started the day after our master's project presentations finished. We flew from the Raleigh-Durham airport to San Juan, Puerto Rico, Saturday morning. After we got to San Juan, we took a ferry to Culebra, which is an island to the west of mainland Puerto Rico. Culebra was beautiful, and we had the chance to stay on the Culebra National Wildlife Refuge, which is part of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service refuge system. During our time in Culebra, we had the opportunity of helping Carlos Diaz and his team with their sea turtle research. The first day we arrived, we just got settled into our bunk beds, explored the nearby area, and Brittany even tried to chase a rooster. <laughs> well, to be fair, the rooster had it coming. And even with the roosters and bunk beds, I really enjoyed living there. Right? Our class dynamic was really shaped on the refuge, and now I could not imagine waking up at 5 a.m. with anybody else. Speaking about waking up at 5 a.m., I miss the sea turtle patrols we did in Calabria. Same. One of the moments that stood out to me the most was on the second day of the trip when we hiked down to do beach patrols on Brava Beach, which is on the north side of Culebra. That was our first time seeing the actual tracks of a leatherback making her nest. Now, I am 5'8", but the body and flipper imprints were literally bigger than me. You can tell that leatherbacks are the largest sea turtles by how wide their front flipper patterns are. Our instructor Kelly told us they can grow up to 6 feet long and weigh 2,000 pounds. She also told us that leatherbacks like high-energy beaches, which is why they nest on Brava Beach. When the conditions are right, they can lay up to eight clutches of eggs in one season. And how many eggs can be in one clutch? A leatherback clutch can be approximately 80 eggs. 80? I would love to see 80 leatherback hatchlings. But although that sounds like a lot, we do know it's important for leatherbacks to produce large amounts of offspring, since they are listed as critically endangered on the IUCN Red List. Right. Also, during our patrol, we learned how to figure out the turtle's entrance and exit points in the nest based off of flipper direction. In using those entrance and exit points, you can find the body pit and an estimated guess of where the eggs are laid underneath the sand. The eggs are an average of 76 centimeters deep in the sand, which is about two and a half feet deep. Once a sea turtle lays her eggs, she covers them with sand and pats the sand down before returning to the ocean. We were lucky enough to see more than one leatherback nest on the beach, but sometimes false crawls occur. So understanding how to read a sea turtle nest and markings is important. Knowing the differences between the nest and a false crawl can really save researchers lots of time. And a false crawl is basically when a sea turtle comes up on the beach but leaves without laying her eggs. Sometimes the conditions aren't perfect or the sea turtle was disturbed when trying to find a suitable nest site. So these false crawls can be pretty common. I'm not sure about you, Julia, but after our mornings of sea turtle patrol, I feel pretty confident that I can find nests and read crawl patterns. Oh, I am basically an expert now. We also are pretty good at finding Wilson's plover's nest now, too. Yeah, those birds were so cute, and their little nests were even cuter. Finding the nests in Puerto Rico, which is the Wilson plover's nest and sea turtle's nest, were great ways to spend our mornings. 
And even though the hikes to the beach could be tricky, I love spending so much time outdoors. Yeah, the hikes. After we searched for the nests on the beach, we also had to hike back to the car. During our hike, we were exposed to diverse vegetation and other wildlife, like the little garden snake. Don't forget the horses and chickens. They were grazing nearby, too. <laughs> yeah, and I think my favorite plant was seeing the mango tree. Yes, we saw lots of mango trees during our trip. We also saw this native tree that had red peeling bark. Oh, yeah. Kelly was telling us that it's called the gumbo limbo tree. Yeah, and she said the locals jokingly call it the tourist tree because the bark looks like sunburnt tourists. <laughs> we definitely made some great memories and learned a lot during our trip. Yeah, I agree. We had a lot of fun, and this was a great experience for us. Hi, I'm Chloe, and I'm an undergrad at Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio. I'm studying environmental science and marine biology, and I'm spending my spring semester here at the Duke Marine Lab. And I'm Josh. I'm a second-year Coastal Environmental Management Master's student here at the Marine Lab. For the first half of our field class, we traveled to Culebra, an island off the east coast of Puerto Rico. We were there to work with Carlos Diaz and his research team from the Puerto Rican DRNA, or Department of Natural Environmental Resources. Carlos and his team have been conducting sea turtle research in Puerto Rico for decades, and we were there to help them with in-water surveys for juvenile green sea turtles. Most of this in-water work involved catching the turtles in a 200-meter long net, and that's what we will be focusing on for our segment. Our first task was to inspect the net, so we removed any tangles and repaired any large holes. Then we loaded the net onto a DRNA boat and boarded onto a separate boat to head to the field. The first afternoon, we headed to Mosquito Bay for a test run. And this bay seldom has sea turtles, so it was the perfect place for the students to learn. Um, the net boat deployed the net, and once it was set, the students jumped into the water in pairs and got to work. So our job was to patrol the net and alert the research team of any turtles or other wildlife that became um, entangled into the net. So the entire time we were in the water, we stayed with our partners as a precaution, with the two of us being a team, and we slowly circled the net, watching for any signs of life. And as expected, we didn't catch any turtles in Mosquito Bay. Snorkeling the net for the sea turtles in Mosquito Bay was my first time snorkeling, and I was pretty nervous and intimidated since everyone else had been snorkeling, like, multiple times prior. So I didn't want to hold anyone back with my lack of experience, and I also just didn't know what to expect. And I also didn't want to embarrass myself, but everyone was super nice and supportive of me before going in, and I was giving great advice, and everyone comforted me a lot, and everyone was super excited that it was my first time snorkeling. Before going in the water, I remember I was really scared that I would hit my head while falling, but I knew other people were too, so that made me feel slightly better. But since we were the last pair to go in, I got to watch everyone else do it, and seeing them not hit their heads gave me more confidence. <laughs> when I got in the water, I was so happy, and I was super excited to be finally doing it. And my first look down was a really good feeling, even though it was just seagrass. I thought it was so cool knowing I was snorkeling in Puerto Rico, and it felt pretty surreal. I had a lot of trouble at first figuring out how to maneuver my fins. I know I looked like a hot mess. It felt really weird at first, like my brain couldn't process how to swim with them on. 
but after a minute or two, I think I started getting the hang of it. I was worried about keeping up, but Josh was super nice about it being my first time snorkeling and understood I needed to get the hang of it first. After a little while, Nilda, one of the researchers, came up beside me and pointed out some things I was doing wrong, and she gave me great advice, and she was telling me not to bend my knees so much while swimming because that would tire me out faster. So she kind of showed me how to move my legs and also said I had been doing a decent job for it being my first time. It made me feel a lot better that she was there watching me and she had my back and she was super nice about everything. Um, so yeah. I'll interject real quickly to say that I got the same feedback on my technique. So I wasn't intentionally letting Chloe flounder around. I had never been in such clear water, so I was pretty amazed the whole time. And I could see so far out beside me and beneath me, it's just, it was crazy to me. And seeing all the fish was so much fun, like I've never been snorkeling, so I've never seen fish like this in real life. But even though we didn't see any turtles, I was still very satisfied and I had such a great time and it was so beautiful. On our second day, we traveled to the island of Culebrita, or Little Culebra, a smaller island off Culebra's coast. After two deployments, we caught 10 green turtles, which were brought on board one of the boats to be measured, weighed, and given a physical health assessment, and then tagged before being released. We also got to see some other really cool marine life, including stingrays, spotted eagle rays, barracudas, remoras, and even a small shark. On our final day of network, we traveled to Manglar Bay. This area tends to see a lot more turtle activity, so as soon as the net deployment started, we were in the water and on watch, and it wasn't very long until we were catching turtles. Unlike mosquito or turtle bays, Manglar tends to see older juveniles that are about ready to leave Puerto Rico and migrate to new feeding grounds, where they'll continue to grow and develop into adults. The size differences in the turtles was pretty apparent, especially when Carlos asked me to help get some of the turtles into the research boats. These turtles were big enough that removing them from the nets while in the water would have been incredibly challenging. So after making sure that Chloe was linked up with another pair of students, I climbed aboard one of the boats to help Matthew, Kelly, and one of the boat captains, Juan, to get some of these larger turtles into the boats. Much like the day before in Culebrita, after we had a full boat of turtles, the research team removed the net from the water, and we conducted our data collection and turtle tagging. A group of local high school students came to help and to observe, and it was really cool to see the outreach work that the researchers were doing with these local students. Patrolling the net and working the turtles was absolutely exhausting, but it was an incredible experience beyond what we could have hoped for. Hi, I'm Michael, a third-year biology undergrad from Wittenberg University. And I'm Jess, a second-year Coastal Environmental Management master's student at Duke. We'll be recapping our last field day in Puerto Rico when we were snorkeling for Hawksville sea turtles near Tamarindo Beach on the western side of Culebra. That's right. This was definitely one of my favorite days of the trip. Yes, same here. So here's how this day went. After our morning beach patrols that day, we packed up all of our gear and snacks and headed out to the dock by 9 a.m. Due to the location of our field house on the eastern side of the island, we had a scenic boat ride along the northern coast of Culebra. We got to see the two beaches we had been hiking to for our morning patrols, Brava and Resaca beaches from the water. When we got to the Tamarindo area, it was definitely different than the previous snorkeling spots we had been to. While we snorkeled around seagrass beds all the other days, this spot was a coral reef. This location is a known foraging ground for hawksbill turtles, where they rest and forage amongst the coral. 
The goal was to hand capture as many hawksbills as possible and then bring them to the boat for measurements, tagging, and photos. If we saw any green sea turtles, we captured them along the way. The area we wanted to survey was quite long, so we divided it into two shorter sections. The group was also divided into two smaller groups, and each was assigned to a section. We would get in a line perpendicular to the beach with about 10 yards between each group. Then we snorkeled parallel to the beach until we reached the end of the section. That way, we were able to search the entire area for sea turtles. It took about an hour. After we finished the first section, the group switched locations and we did it again. From the first survey, we got four turtles, one hawksbill and three green. Unfortunately, we came up empty-handed during the second survey, and our group didn't spot any of the turtles during the first survey. After all the surveys were completed and the turtles were on the boat, we measured the turtles, tagged the untagged ones, and released them back into the water. When all the turtles were back in the water, we went back to the starting point to relocate a large boat anchor that had been left on the coral reef. A few members of the research team went and recovered the anchor. They documented it and were going to try to find the boat that left it there. Overall, I really enjoyed snorkeling over the coral reef and we were able to see a whole bunch of different animals. I think the coolest thing I saw was a pretty large nurse shark swimming through the reef. The nurse shark was super cool. It was my first time ever seeing one in the wild. I also saw one of my favorite fish, the box fish. After our surveys, we got to get back in the water for some more leisurely snorkeling. Some students went to check out a coral reef that had previously been treated for stony coral tissue loss disease. We also went to an area with seagrass beds and got to swim around with all of the foraging green turtles. It was definitely cool to see the turtles doing the normal thing. This was such an awesome way to end our time on Culebra. Shout out to the research team, they were awesome. Hi everyone, so my name is Rachel Hilt. I'm a second year master's student at the Duke Marine Lab. And I'm Erica, I'm a sophomore majoring in biology at Duke. And we're going to talk a little bit about our experience doing the night field work in St. Croix. So on April 20th, our class arrived to the beautiful island of St. Croix to begin sea turtle patrol on Sandy Point National Wildlife Refuge. And it's a two-mile stretch of sandy beach on the west end of the island. And while we were there, the beach was actually closed to the public. So April through August, it's closed to the public entirely. And we did three nights of sea turtle patrol in total. So Erica, what was beach patrol like? Okay, um, so on our first night, we set up at the refuge around 7. And we set up our camp a ways down from the turtle watch group. Um, so the general routine is that, like, Every four, uh, 30 to 45 minutes, a couple people would walk in the north and south direction on the beach, keeping an eye on the shoreline for any nesting leatherbacks. And then as the night progressed, Kelly would do a few more patrols using the ATV as well. Um, in between walks, we would talk. We tried to learn to whistle. Um, we played trivia with whatever random facts we could remember. Um, but mostly on the first night, we had had such a packed day of travel that as the night went on, we were just taking more little naps on the beach. Um, so... On the first and last night, we didn't have any visitors, but on the second night, we got really lucky, and we saw a nesting leatherback. So, Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about like what your first impressions were? Yeah, so when we saw the leatherback, I was immediately struck by just how large the turtle was. So, over the last couple of days that we'd been doing the day patrols on the beach, we'd been seeing some leatherback tracks, and I'd been trying to picture in my head just how big the animal was. 
but nothing could prepare me for the sheer size of that animal. And it was probably one of the most incredible things I think I'd ever seen and definitely worth the sleep deprivation. What about you, Erica? What was your first reaction? Um, I think my first reaction, I was just in awe because we'd been talking about them so much. We've been learning about them in lecture. Um, and it was just amazing to see one in person. I also felt surprisingly emotional. I don't know whether it was that I was so tired, but it was just, it was so ancient and so personal. And oh, it was just, it was a once in a lifetime experience. Um, and also, I don't really know what I was expecting, but the noises she was making really caught me off guard as well. Um, so once we got over the initial shock of um, seeing the leatherback, Rachel, can you talk a little bit about how we worked up the turtle? Yeah, so after everyone kind of settled into their initial excitement over seeing the turtle, it was time for us to get to work. So our classmate Kaylee filled out a data sheet with the GPS location of the eggs, the measurements of the location of the nest relative to the bench markers, and measurements across her carapace and tail length. And while she was laying her eggs, I reached down to her left hind flipper and read off the tag number. And it turns out this turtle was a regular to Sandy Point, and her name was Snickers. And she'd also nested um, about 10 days prior to the one that we were seeing now. And we also took some photos of some cuts and perforations that she had on her body. And by the time our group had reached Snickers, she was almost done nesting and was laying what are called spacer eggs, which are just eggs that don't have any yolk in them. It's just albumin. And because her nest was pretty shallow and close to the tide line, we relocated her eggs to a safer stretch of beach. Yeah, so after finding a better spot for the nest, Kelly dug a new nest and gave us her best leatherback nesting impression. Um, I then lay down where she had been laying down and gently put all 80 of Snickers' eggs into the new nest. I was counting out loud, so I didn't miss any. Um, and then we put the spacer eggs on top to best mimic um, how they would have been laid initially. Um, and then personally, I loved how hands-on all the field work we did was over the course of the whole trip. It was one of the reasons I took the course was for the field experience. And I feel like we got a great overall view of what sea turtle field work is like from our own experiences as well as from all the guest lectures. Uh, personally, I think my sleep schedule is a little bit more suited to being up early, but I would have happily stayed up more nights to have the experiences that we did. How about you, Rachel? I would say I definitely agree. I love the hands-on field work. I thought that it was so much fun, and even though it's very physically rigorous, I think it's definitely worth it for how exciting it is to see these animals up close. And I have to say I really enjoyed both aspects of the field work, but for different reasons. I really loved being out on the water with the turtles during the day, but getting to actually see the turtles nest at night and be under the stars was also really special. Hey everybody, my name is Kaylee. I'm a second year undergraduate at Duke University. I'm currently in the conservation of sea turtles class because it's my favorite marine animal, the leatherback sea turtle is, and I want to take part in preserving the species. Hi, I'm India. I'm a master's of environmental management student at Duke University. Now I'm taking the sea turtle class because I care about our beach communities in the southeast and that includes sea turtles. Yeah, so let's just jump into it. We wanted to talk a little about the community dynamic that we had within our class. So we all started one early morning at RDU at the Raleigh-Durham Airport. And this is where we kind of met because we didn't have um, an extensive class beforehand. So we all met on the group flight. So we traveled over to Puerto Rico where we met Kelly, one of our instructors. So we had a great meeting after our first couple of flights and we started to head down on a quick drive to the ferry 
port where uh, we got on the ferry to head to the island of Culebra within Puerto Rico. In Culebra, we stayed in some dorms provided by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It was quaint accommodations, but very comfortable. We were doing a lot of day work at the time, so we didn't have um, a ton of time to um, sit around and bond as we did later in the trip since we were really busy doing field work all day, but we did get to come together each morning. What are they yelling about? <laughs> in evening to make meals together in Puerto Rico. Took about 30 minutes to an hour each day to quickly make some lunch for ourselves, whether it's getting some lunch meat and some cheese and throwing it on some bread or quickly frying up some quesadillas. We try to um, do our best to cook and not only cook for ourselves, but cook for each other. And, and not only do we make meals for each other, but we even try getting some snacks for all of us to take out on the boats, including some cookies, which we thought were really delicious at the time. We had some like strawberry and coconut cookies that we always begged our professors to get us every day. And we always talked about the cookies every time we had lunch or dinner. So we had some good gathering points around our meals in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I would say the Puerto Rican cookies were a really core part of my experience in Culebra. From Culebra, uh, once we wrapped up our daytime work there and said goodbye to the research team, we got to know pretty well over a few days there. We mm -hmm. took the ferry back to the mainland of Puerto Rico and flew over to St. Croix, where we got to stay at the Cottages by the Sea, which is a really beautiful community right on the beach. I, I really can't describe how beautiful it is. It's right Next to the water, we spent a lot of our downtime snorkeling. I saw plenty of sea turtles. I even saw a couple of octopuses while I was snorkeling out there. Oh my gosh, octopi. I love yeah. that. <laughs> our rooms were really beautiful. They were gorgeous. We had a kitchen for each cottage. There was about three people per cottage uh, mm -hmm. out of the students. And it was just an amazing time to, you know, get in close quarters with the people we got to know in the last, in the first five days of the trip in Puerto Rico and just hang out. In the cottages in St. Croix right next to the refuge where we worked during the nights. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we, that's like really where our, our group dynamic really started to click was in the cottages just because. Yeah, I agree. Within, within, we were still doing a lot of field work, but we had more time to talk to each other like during night patrol. During our, our daytime work, it was just like a lot of snorkeling moving all the time, but there was a lot of sitting around on night patrol um, in between our walks up and down the beach to get to know each other better so and that um I think really permeated that closest permeated throughout our our time there in St. Croix during those like those down periods I think we had a lot of fun playing games with each other we did trivia where is but even you know we had some good fun moments with each other points like you guys just heard but also we there one of the nights we were talking about whistling our <laughs> professor Matthew had randomly been talking was randomly asking the question about if any of us could whistle before we went to go do a lecture with Mike the one of the professionals there at the refuge and we wanted to prove to ourselves that we could whistle so we all tried whistling all night long and as you can see here, if you hear next, uh, Michael actually was somewhat successful in whistling and you could hear us all laughing drearily as it was about 2 a.m. when he was finally able to accomplish this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Okay, I, I think I missed the origin story of like how this discussion came about. I just remember going to the bathroom, coming back, and everyone's like had to <laughs> try to make themselves whistle through that. So. Exactly. <laughs> There's a good six of us that were trying really hard. Yeah, I, 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 I tell you, I can't. <laughs> I never could do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we had a really good time. It was a really good group. Um, the work itself was really fun, but I think the community we built. Um, just over the course of 10 days was a really important part of the trip and is probably one of the most memorable things about my time there. Really what you need to prepare this for this class is just to have the mindset that you're going to have a lot of fun. I've got to be honest, you know, it's a bit of working up every day and going to see the turtles, but it's all so worth it to see the green turtles in the nest, uh, potentially hawksbills as well. And even to see the mama leatherbacks on the beach, it was absolutely amazing and worth every single moment. I agree. It was totally worth it. You have been listening to Seize the Day. Special thanks to Kelly Stewart and Carlos Diaz for helping the students have these experiences. Thanks to Joe Morton for original music and to Stephanie Hillsgrove for artwork. Please visit our website at sites.nicholas.duke.edu slash seize the day. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the platform formerly known as Twitter at Seize the Day Pod. <laughs>